just hug and love on folks. And the worship team's going to continue to play some music. Just hug and love on some beats. Give hands and hugs. And we'll continue to play. What's up, man? What? What's up, man? this generosity. And we do so this with today, with a heart of 
cheerfulness and an attitude of joy and an expectation that you will bless this for your continued work here in this awesome place. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. We have a few highlights this morning. Great things have taken place this past week. And there are some things that we are anticipating coming up here soon. And so we have a women's event and you have these, uh, these announcements on your chair. And so ladies, this is your opportunity to get your tickets today. Next Saturday is your breakfast and it's reap what you sow. And uh, you don't want to miss that and you certainly want to be a part of this awesome opportunity. And men, we have our men's retreat coming up at the end of the month. And today is the day to turn in your registration. We want you to come, bring a friend, bring your son, bring your uncle, whatever it may be. And we will have a great time together in the Lord. I'm going to be there, so I'm going to have a great time. Pastor Dave's going to be there. If it's the two of us, we will have a great retreat. But we would certainly like to have a few of you join us as well. And then the third one is, we've got Easter coming up here soon, and we've got an Easter egg hunt. It is going to be on Saturday, the day before Easter, at 10 a.m. Everyone say 10 a.m. Bring your kids to the Damascus campus on Sunnyside Road. 10 a.m., we're going to have an awesome time with lots of eggs and candy and activities. And make sure to bring your neighbors and invite them to come too. It's just a great introduction, a fun event for the kids and families to participate in. And then to also share with them, hey, you know, not only come to the Easter egg hunt, but join us in our services. Whether it's at Damascus campus or the Sunnyside campus, we're going to have a great day of worship together on Easter. Amen? Amen. Pastor Dave. Sunnyside Campus, come on. So today, today is our last day here at Happy Valley and the Happy Valley Campus. Can I get an amen? So for those of you who may not know, if you've joined us since we've been meeting here for 14 years, our church met at Sunnyside Elementary School. It's where we, well, we started in our living room. Uh, Kim's in my living room in uh, Actually, August of 2004, we were in our living room for six weeks. Everyone say six weeks. And uh, we outgrew our living room, and uh, we were invited into Sunnyside Elementary School by the principal at that time. And it was just an amazing, amazing, uh, just really partnership, collaborative kind of a thing. And we were there for 14 years. They had some upgrades that needed to be made there for earthquake preparedness. They were at a zero on a scale of one to ten. So they didn't even register on the scale. And uh, they, that building needed to be updated. The bond measure passed. Many of you who live in the Clackamas School District zone, you voted for that bond measure. It was a continuation of a previous bond, and that made it possible for the school to be upgraded, and that project is now complete. And so the teachers moved in to their new classrooms in uh, over spring break week, and uh, they've invited us, kind of, invited us uh, back to be there. So we, we got the definitive, maybe, uh, on, on Friday, but they, the only thing that was holding out was they needed to make sure they had custodial to cover for us while we were there. And 
the head custodian there, Jerry, he, he knows us personally. He called me. He called John. He says, hey, I'm in. I just wanted you guys to know that. So unofficially, we know we're going to be there next Sunday. Officially, we know we're going to be there next Sunday. We just don't know if they know officially we're going to be there next Sunday. <laughs> so all that being said, we're pretty excited. Well, Jenny is right over here for our junior high group to uh, make their way back with Jenny and Joel. So if you're junior high... Go, uh, we just release you and go have a great service time back in the back. Well, I, Pastor Tim, I neglected to also ask you to share about the Wichita dinner. And I'm very, very excited and we are very, very excited as a fellowship. We have a monthly outreach that we do over at Wichita. And this particular month is kind of a signature month for us. It falls on Good Friday. Everyone say Good Friday. Good Friday. Well, I don't know where you are in terms of your theology of the crucifixion. I'm kind of one of those, not Friday, but it's wherever you fall. That's where the world celebrates the crucifixion of Jesus. And it happens to be a great opportunity because it's the third Friday night of the month and we have our Wichita outreach. Now, one thing that has changed from last month to this month is that we have had communication with Northwest Family Services, which is right on the corner of 60th and Linwood, or King Road and Linwood, if you will. And, uh, they have included our outreach dinner in their mailer. And they said to us that we should expect to see a bulging at the seams in terms of our attendance. Now, we're very hopeful in that. They said it could go, it could accelerate all the way up to potentially 300 people coming to the meal. Can I get an amen? That was a puny amen like, <laughs> this feels like, this feels like a little bit of work. <laughs> well, it, here it is. It is an opportunity to serve. It's an opportunity to express the love of Christ that we have in us, that the byproduct of that is ministry to those who are in need or do not know the Lord. And we wanna simply love and allow that expression to occur in all of us. And so there's lots of opportunity to serve the Wichita Outreach Dinner coming up on the 19th. One of those is we are making a special chocolate chip cookie recipe. Everyone say chocolate chip. Everybody say mm, good. Okay, you guys are you're you're almost there. <laughs> I need I need twelve people who will do this recipe right here, and it's a, it's like um, four dozen medium sized cookies, and uh, I I need twelve. I need you to run down and grab. So if you're if you're going to help with that, I need you to come. So John Morris, you can start if you're in the house. Where's JMO? There you are. Come down because I know you're making four dozen. That's that'll be exciting. You should take one for your mom too because I know she's going to help. That's great. And I oh Charlene's got a look at this. Jeanette, thank you. There we go. There we go. That's great. Doreen, thank you. That is awesome. Super taken at this point. Oh, we got, all right, I'm going to, can I jump down? Uh, will you be my runner right over here? Thank you, Chase. Mm, I guess I'm jumping down. There we go. Oh, there we go. There we go, Gene. Thank you, guys. Betty, thank you. Praise the Lord. Let's give it up for the Lord. That was awesome. We're into cookies. <laughs> it's a good time. Uh, in addition to that, we have to change how we do the outreach. We normally have a buffet line and we serve, 
because when you have a dinner like that, you have, you have to have servers. But when there's 300 people trying to get them all through a buffet line, that's going to take like, you know, three hours, and that won't work. And then there's seconds, and so you know how that is. So we're going to do family style. We're setting up as many as 38 tables, and we're going to be delivering trays to the tables with all the goodies on it. And so we need to purchase some items, like trays and bowls. Not like back in the days when I was at the training table. I know it still looks like I am, but uh, back in the day when I was playing football at Portland State, our training table was King's Table. Raise your hand if you remember King's Table. Yeah, King's Table. It was great. So as linemen would come through King's Table line, we would try and navigate two plates. You go corner to corner on the tray so you can get more food on your plate. But the plates never stacked right, so we just didn't use the plates. <laughs> <laughs> so undignified, right? But you can get a very large, Doug, I know it's embarrassing, but you can get a very large pile of mashed potatoes on there with gravy. It works great. Anyway, I know that was so unsanitary, but all his linemen and, of course, the manager of King's Table just buried his head. Kind of pretended like he didn't see it. Anyway, we, we need bowls to go on the trays because we can't do like I used to do at King's Table. It doesn't work. And so we're purchasing some items, and they're necessary pieces, and they will be with us until Jesus returns for outreaches that we will do at Wichita, outreaches that we will do at Damascus, outreaches that we will do at Gladstone, wherever we are, those useful resources will be available to us. And so we're raising, we're looking for $1,500 to come in. And we would really love to see it just come in today. That could be 100 people giving $15. That could be 10 people giving $150. But we're asking you above and beyond your normal tithes and offerings and alms that you've done, that if the Spirit of God would move on you, it could be one person here who just says, I'll do 1500 bucks. And we're not going to have a show of hands and that kind of thing, but we're going to ask that you would use the square, or you can use an envelope if you have a check, and you want to do it that way, that's great. If you want to do it on Monday, you can get online today. You can hop on your phone right now and get online. We actually have a new way of giving, and Tim, I don't know if we're all totally set up for that. Are we totally set up for that? Okay, so can you just... It, just holler up to me real quick and tell me how we do that. Okay, so easytithe.com slash HCF, and that's uh, that you can just give right there. And it, it has a little fee that's attached to it as well. But those are those are some phenomenal ways, and we're going to actually have those printed in the uh, bulletins or the uh, uh, programs that you have uh, from henceforth, so you'll know how you can do that. But um, yeah, this is, a, this is a great opportunity for us. Can I get an amen? And there are going to be folks there who they're going to hear the gospel. It's Good Friday. We're going to talk about the resurrection. But more importantly, we're going to talk about three days later when Jesus bust open the tomb and came out and he's alive and he's alive forevermore. And he, he is the source of life. He's the life giver. And we're going to believe God for people to be born again that night. And so we want you to be there. We want you to come to serve. And we want you praying. And we want you to be participating. So please help in those areas. Did that seem like a long commercial? Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, turn in your Bibles to John chapter 6. And uh, we're continuing in this chapter. John chapter 6. It's the longest chapter by way of remembrance in the Gospel of John. 
some 71 verses from the preceding chapters where we saw Nicodemus in chapter 3 and you must be born again and that dialogue to the Samaritan woman at the well in chapter 4 and then chapter 5 and all that transpired in chapter 5 where he made those indictments to the Jews in relationship to their lack of belief he had healed the man at the pool of Bethesda and there was a stir about it being the Sabbath day and so he shared all of the things why he could do what he does and his who he really is and then the indictments to the Jews and then we come into chapter 6 and you've heard a couple of messages Jesus fed the 5,000 and we know it was more than 5,000 people it was 5,000 men and so it's likely it could, it could have been as many as 15,000 people and they were filled to their bellies. Someone say, hallelujah. I mean filled. Bread. Bread is so good. Bread is in every ethnos of humanity. Bread. Anywhere you go in the world, Bread. I remember my wife and I were on a mission trip in France. And the first morning we got up and we went down and they had coffee for us in the little lobby area. And they brought a plate out. And it had salami, cheese, croissants, warm croissants, and some bread, baguette bread. I don't even know. All I know is even the crumbs tasted good. <laughs> it just got a little, it was like King's Table all over. I was like, what has happened? Bread is so good and so satisfying. And they were filled and they were full and they were satisfied. And then the disciples got on a boat. And you heard the story last week as Pastor Tim preached that six or seven verses where Jesus walks on the water. In those 71 verses, it's a year later. It's the next Passover time. And they're still discovering who Jesus is in the disciples' own heart and their hearts. And Jesus is still talking about believing. And those 71 verses is a 24-hour period. It's just 24 hours. Boom, the Spirit of God said, capture this. Write it down. Here's the detail. And he's revealing himself to his disciples and to the people and to the crowd. And so we pick up in verse 22 this morning. It says, on the following day, so that next morning Jesus had walked on the water, and that the events of that night, and be reminded of this. It's very probable that John's gospel was written after he was on the island of Patmos. So it's very possible that it was in the early 90s that he recorded his gospel. And so from John's perspective, Jesus walking on the water, hello, that's like no small deal, right? Like impossible. It's impressive. Hello. 
when it says that they saw him and were terrified, I'm telling you, they were terrified because no one walks on water. And he says, don't be afraid, it is I. And then it says, they were like filled with joy and invited him in. If he wrote this in 95 AD, from John's perspective, there's only 12 people who knew that that happened. That was for them to know, I am Messiah. Believe. Believe. And so up to now, everything is about believing. And we see this in John chapter 20, as we noted, that John's purpose, the Holy Spirit had him record these specific occurrences. He said, many things Jesus did, books could not contain all of the amazing things that Jesus did and said. Not enough volumes of books on the planet. And he said, but these were recorded that you might believe Jesus is the Son of God. He is the Messiah. Believe. Believe. And I know for me personally, and I've been talking about it over the last couple of weeks, it seems easy to say, well, I believe. I believe Jesus is Messiah. And if your faith is in Jesus today for the forgiveness of your sins, you could, you could raise your hand and say, yes, I believe. Thanks be to God. I know my sin is forgiven. And I'm on my way to heaven. John writes in 1 John, these things were written that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may know that you are saved. You can know. We say, yes, I believe and I know. Amen. And he's inviting us in everything that has been said for us and to us to believe all of the words. If you have a red letter edition, believing everything he said, all of the promises of God are yes in him and amen. And we want to say, I believe those too. And I know we can mentally assent and say, yes, I do. I, yes. But sometimes when the rubber meets the road, we begin to go, well, I mean, I hold. I mean, yes, but between this like 18 inches, ah, Jesus, he's in the process of showing them who he is and how to bridge a gap, how to narrow so that in their hearts, the desire of their heart would be Jesus. Jesus. Just like we talked about how satisfying bread is a moment ago, hopefully you can almost smell some bread cooking in your nostrils. You're like, mmm. So good. That satisfaction. Listen, not only bread, but everything we eat, everything you eat, 
And the joy from the taste buds, from the nostrils smelling. You walk in the house, how many of you know what bacon smells like, right? I mean, hello. You walk in the house when bacon's cooking, you're like, I think I just landed on the third heaven. <laughs> it's like, I'm like Paul, I got caught up in the third. It smells so good. And it gives satisfaction to this physical tent, this body. But if we get stuck there, we miss the purpose. Because it all points to Jesus. Where true satisfaction comes from. Right? The stuff down here, it's a shadow. It's a type. So bread, as satisfying as it is to my belly, I, I'm not supposed to get stuck there. It's, it's pointing to a satisfaction that Jesus wants to be. He is our all in all. He's our all in all. He's all in all. From food to relationships to work to employment, what we do, everything, every sensory perception is pointing how Jesus wants to be the all in all in us, to transform our desire, to transform our passion, to transform our adorations, to transform and it, it's not that we're to neglect all of those other things, right? I mean, we still need food. We still go to work. We still do all those things. But it transforms the way we view those things. And God wants to be. Jesus wants to be. And he's revealing himself. And so we come and it says on the following day, verse 22, when the people were standing on the other side of the sea, saw that there was no other boat there except that one which the disciples had entered and that Jesus had not entered that boat or the boat with his disciples, but his disciples had gone away alone. However, other boats came from Tiberias near the place where they ate bread after the Lord had given thanks. When the people therefore saw that Jesus was not there nor his disciples, they also got into boats and came to Capernaum and seeking, they were seeking Jesus. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you get here? I mean, they're like astonished. Wait, wait. How'd you get here? How'd that, how'd that work? Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, or truly, truly, in our English translation, it's amen and amen. Certainly. Absolutely, certainly, I am telling you, you seek me not because you saw the signs. You seek me because you ate the loaves and were filled. I'm going to stop there for just a moment. You are seeking me because of what you think I can do for you. Anybody else? 
guilty as charged. You're seeking. And we would think that seeking Jesus is a good thing. Can I get an amen? But Jesus is saying, no, listen, you sought me when I was at the other shore. You, when you were filled with bread, you wanted to make me king. But what did Jesus do? He slipped away. He says, because that's not the kind of king I am going to be for anyone. He's not a genie in the bottle. Jesus, I need. We get our lottery ticket out. We're like, okay, come on, Jesus. We need a couple numbers here. That, that's not, that, it's not about what he can do for us. And here's the beauty. That's all part of it. But that is not what it's about. He says, you seek me for what you can get from me because of your full bellies. And they don't get it. They don't get it. And I wonder in the church of Jesus Christ today if we get it. If we get it. That's, it's, it's, not, it's not the daily provision. It's not he can give me food for today to satisfy my belly. He says, I'm not going to give you bread. Let's, let's read the rest of the text. Verse 27. He says, do not labor for food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. Then they said to him, well, what shall we do that we may work the works of God. Jesus answered them and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Believe. Period. Aren't you thankful today? When it comes to salvation, I, I, I mean, the Jews are asking this question, what do we do to do the works of God? And the scriptures already have told them what the works of God are. Deuteronomy, which they would have been acutely familiar with. Deuteronomy chapter 10. And now Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. But they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. I mean, if we took a moment and dissected this, this is what the Lord requires. Fear the Lord your God. Now, if we took a test today, and the test was, do you fear the Lord, yes or no? Everybody probably here would circle yes. But then if we put it on an economy of scales, do you fear the Lord? We'd probably have some varying answers in there. But when it comes down to meeting the rubber meeting the road, it had this is the law and abiding in the law. And do you do you fear the Lord? In other words, to fear the Lord is to obey the law, right? Not your head if you're still with me, right? I mean, when we say, well, yeah, I mean, I mentally assent to the law, 
And we go, okay, well, the scripture tells us to obey all of the authorities that God has established over us, and all authority has been established by God. And so think about the last time you were on the road driving your car. Do you obey the law? Well, if I fear God and I'm going to, right? And you say, well, wait a minute, that's like the law. This is Old Testament. We're in like the New Testament, Pastor. But that's where they were. And they realized, just like you and I realized, I can't do it. Right? We can't, we can't do it. We can't fulfill it. And Micah, the prophet, Micah 6, 8. He hath shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To do justly. To love mercy. And to walk humbly with your God. I think we would all say, well, yes. But we might discover that even those are, like, actually hard to do in consistency. So thanks be for the New Testament. Can I get an amen? Because he says, no, believe. Believe. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Right? It's not by works, lest any man should boast. Yay! Praise God! So, when he says, do not labor for bread that perishes, but labor for that bread that endures. There is a laboring that's going on. And how does this, how does this conundrum come together? What is he saying to us? He Remember at the well with the woman? Where did the disciples go? Where had they gone? They went to go get some food. And so they come back and they got their grocery bags. And they see Jesus talking to this Samaritan woman. And you know, I mean, they must have been going, like, what is going on here? Not only is he talking to a woman, but, I mean, he's a rabbi, and they don't do that publicly. I mean, rabbis don't even talk to their wives publicly. That's their culture. He's talking to a woman who happens to be a Samaritan also. And they're, like, scratching their heads going, uh, why is he talking to a woman? Why is he talking to the Samaritan? Why, what is going on here? So she leaves, and they're like, no one dared ask him. They're like, Rabbi, eat some food. Eat. And what does he say? What does he say? I have food you know not of. This is foreign to you. You don't know about it. And they mentally went in the natural world to think, did someone bring him some food? Did she have with her bucket a basket with bread? Where in the world? I mean, they're just going through all this reasoning. And he said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish it. To do the will, that's food. It is the will of God that you and I believe. Number one. And then the natural byproduct is what Jesus, Jesus says, what I see the Father do, that I do. And that is my food. And it's so satisfying. 
Jesus was totally satisfied in his relationship with the Father. Totally. Not 99.99%. Totally satisfied in his relationship with the Father. 100%. And he is showing you and I that we can also be totally satisfied in our relationship with him. Totally. Totally. And everything in this world that we experience and we enjoy and love, it is a reflection of what our satisfaction can be 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, all the number of days that we will have to be totally satisfied. That's why the scripture says he is our Sabbath day's rest. And it's a perpetual Sabbath. Seven days a week, 52 weeks in a year, all the years of our life. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Verse 57 in our text. I want you to look at verse 57 and 58. Jesus uses language here by way of comparison. It's a synonym. It's a typology. He starts off with as. He says, as this is this, so this is this. And there's a synonymousness in them. One is a reflection of the other. And this is what he says. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. How does Jesus live? It's the Father. It's the relationship. It's the Father. He says, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Now, he says in verse 58, this is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna, and are dead. He who eats this bread, me, Jesus, will live forever. And we, we get lost in them, just like they did. I mean, if you read the correspondence between verses 29 through 57, I mean, he says things like, you'll have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and if you don't do that, you, you have no part in me. And we're like, how does that work? It doesn't compute with my brain. It's because what he is saying is spiritual. Just like he did with Nicodemus. He said, unless a man is born again, he cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. And Nicodemus is asking the natural question, shall a man climb a second time into his mother's womb? Duh, no. It's spiritual. And then he said to the woman at the well, if you drink the water I give, you will thirst no more. And she says, give me this water that I won't have to walk back down to the well every day. <laughs> no, you're missing it. Eat this bread, and you will hunger no more. You will be satisfied. And they're like, well, give us that bread. He's like, I am the bread. I am the bread. 
you will find absolute satisfaction in me. It's interesting, when he says in verse 58, the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna, the word ate there is a Greek verb that means to consume one meal. Just one meal, Fargo, P-H-A-G-O, Fargo, to consume a meal. Now you know how satisfying a meal can be, right? My wife, Kim, God bless you. Uh, she made pork the other night, John. Can, can you attest to the pork the other night? It was cooked, it was baked in a black skillet frying pan. And so when that thing came out and all the juices were like overcooked inside of the black skillet, she made gravy. And it was like this dark brown gravy that I think dripped from heaven. I mean, it was just like, are you kidding me? It's so good. And that meal, I mean, I was so satisfied. It was like, woo, this is good. But this is one meal. And to be satisfied, you have to go back and have another meal. You go back and have another meal. But he then says, he who eats this bread, he doesn't use the verb Fargo. He uses Trago. Trago. And it means to chew like throughout the entirety of the day, like an animal would gnaw on a carrot. Just chewing perpetually, like a cattle would graze, eating. It's a continual feast. And that is relationship. It's relationship. Now, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna close with this. So worship team, you can migrate up. Thank you. God uses, in a metaphor of this relationship thing, he uses a marriage, right? You know, in the New Testament, we are the bride of Christ, the church, and there's this relationship Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. So loved the church. Right? The Old Testament, God the Father is betrothed to Israel. And Israel is an adulterous wife, so to speak. Playing the field of all the gods, so to speak. The man-made gods. And so God always is referring to her as adulteress. But come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. This relationship. And he's perpetually saying to Israel, remember the days of our betrothal. Now I'm reminded about when my wife and I were engaged to be married. Man, those are, those are good days. Here I go. I don't know about Kim. I think Kim was this way also. I know how I was. Literally every decision of my day was based on how is it going to impact Kim. That, that, that thought process. 
How's this going to work? How I, what am I going to do with my money? How's that going to impact her? What am I going to do about, I mean, except for when we played Risk, then, then all my roommates were like, Dave, leave Kim, come home early so we can play Risk. So I'd say, I need to go home and study <laughs> the game of Risk. <laughs> but predominantly, I was consumed with how relationally it would impact. And I, I don't know how it was for you and you're, if you're married and how it was for you. I couldn't wait to see her again. Look in her eyes. Hold her hand. I had a little scooter early on. I'd go pick her up on my little Honda Passport 80cc scooter, Tim. Not like your cool new motorcycle. But I had a Gary. Power. It was my hawk. Just my mirrors. But what was epic about it is it had like a little banana seat so you could get a second person on it. Well, I'm a pretty big body, so I'm consuming one and a half seats, and she was a little tiny thing, and uh, she'd get on that thing, but when she put her arms around me, I could do anything. I could do anything. I couldn't wait for that. That picture, betrothal, is the picture that God is inviting us in relationship to. When we could not wait to be with. When we could not wait. I mean, waking up in the morning, can't wait to climb out of bed and get on my knees and commune with my Father. I couldn't wait to bring open his word and the bread of God and say, speak to me. Your son is listening. Just to be with him. And I'm reminded today that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, desire for other things choke God's word out of his children and we lose Jesus as our all in all we come on Sunday and we say yes Sunday afternoons cares come in Monday mornings cares come in and it gets clouded again and we don't want that we say I just want to love, and many of us are involved in the works of God. We're, we're doing things for the Lord, like the Wichita dinners and the outreaches and the loving on our neighbors and all of those things. I wonder, Jesus, when Jesus wrote seven love letters to the church, seven love letters, they're short. It's Revelation chapter two and Revelation chapter three, seven love letters from the Savior to us. He says this. The first letter he writes to the church of Ephesus. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, he who walks in the midst of the golden lampstands, the Son of God, 
who walks in the midst of the church. We are the seven golden lampstands, the church. And he walks in our midst. He says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, that you cannot bear those who are evil. You have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. But he says, nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. You've lost sight of why who you are and what you do is all about. You've lost sight. It's me, he says. Me. You've left your first love. The beauty is he didn't say you've lost it. He says you've simply left it. And the invitation is to come back to it. To fall again in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. To fall deeply in love with him that he would become the drive of everything we do. So when the scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God, everything else flows. It's the days of our betrothal. He says the remedy, he says, go and do the first things. Just like God the Father with Israel, like in the years of our betrothal, those first things where you couldn't wait. You were just in love with God. I'm just in love with the Lord. We're going to pray this morning and make the invitation to every man and woman in this room. No matter where you are, if you could have an economy of scales from 1 to 10 or 0 to 10, and you said, this is where I am in my love with the Lord. Not that we can even really tangibly do that. But wherever you are, if you're a six and you want to be a seven, you say, this prayer is for me. If you're a three and you want to be a five, this prayer is for you. If you're a two and you want to be a nine, this prayer is for you. Wherever that is for you, you know that it is not the why behind the what and all that you do throughout your day and throughout your week. And you want to be captivated again by the love of God, captivated by your Savior, passionately in love with the Lord. And so that the things of the Lord become the natural byproduct. Those things I see my Savior do, I do those things too because I know they're well-pleasing to Him. And I love Him and I want to be well-pleasing to Him. And you say, that's me. This prayer is for you. I'm going to invite everybody to stand this morning. My prayer this morning for all of us is that what I believe that God has put in my heart that I have conveyed. Jesus loves us. He loves us. The Father loves us. And it's opportunity for us to be captivated by His love. To be captivated by who He is. To fall deep in love again with the Lord. That He would be the satisfaction of our soul. Just like bread is satisfying to our physical stomachs, that Jesus would be satisfying that way 
Just like relationships can be so satisfying, like my relationship with my wife. I'm thankful 33 years or 32 years later, our love is stronger than it's ever been and we can look at each other. And it's different now. It's different. It's better. It's better. We can just be in the same room and the satisfaction of just being together. And I see that Jesus wants that with me in the same way to be that satisfying to just be with the Lord. If you would like to be included in this prayer, will you just raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to be captivated by the love of the Lord again in a greater measure. Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you are revealing. You're revealing. You're revealing yourself to us. You're revealing yourself for us. Lord, it's so that we can just be deeper in love with you. Lord, will you transform our lowly lives and may we see, may we see with clarity of vision the eternal perspective of the satisfaction that you want to give us in relationship with you to be our all in all, to be satisfied in the Lord, to not try and fill any voids in our life with some other counterfeit, but to fill it with Jesus to fill it with Jesus. And so, Lord, we want to fall in love with you. We've raised hands. We've stood. We've said, yes, God. Yes, God. Will you, Lord, will you help and transform our hearts and our minds? May we seek first the kingdom, your kingdom. Even as you were sent, God, you are sending us, but you are giving us life from the very onset. You are our life. We live because of that. So God, may as we live each day, may it be fully alive in relationship with Jesus. And may people see Jesus in us and want relationship with him. God be glorified. We love you. Fill us fresh with your spirit. Lord, may we be passionate for your kingdom. And Lord, as we go from this place, I know the worship team is going to lead us in a chorus as we go. I've gone a little long. So Lord, will you be glorified. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' mighty name and all God's people so strong. Amen.
may our appetite be for the eternal life who gives bread that lasts for everlasting. That's our God. That's our Christ. Lord, go with us as we leave. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And remember... And remember, next week we will be at Sunnyside Grade School. We won't be at Happy Valley. We won't be here. So if you show up here, you'll probably have your own little sermon. All right? So make sure, same time, different location, Sunnyside. Thanks.